Speaking of the rise of evil and the upcoming apocalypse, let's talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Jesse Mercury. It has been a little while. Thank you for joining me. Sorry I was gone. This is the longest break I've ever had uh, since I started podcasting. It was an accident. I did not mean to be gone for a whole month. Life has been crazy. Uh, Obviously, the election was a big deal. I am declaring this episode an election-free zone. Just not going to talk about it because it's everywhere right now, and I'm sure you are inundated with election news and could use a break, and that break is going to be Uh, Myself and Amy Simon talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I am such a huge Firefly fan. I've talked about that in the past, but I'd never seen Buffy or Angel. And, you know, I'm such a big fan of Joss Whedon. I figured it was time for me to go back and watch through those shows. And it has been awesome. I am enjoying the fuck out of it. Amy and I had been talking about doing a podcast together for a while. You'll remember she came on back uh, with Brooks Peck a while back talking about the new Star Trek exhibit at EMP. Uh, And she and I had been talking about a bunch of things that we wanted to chat about on the show, a bunch of TV shows. So we decided to meet up and talk through some TV shows and ended up talking Buffy for the entire time. So that's what this episode is. And that conversation will come at you in just a couple minutes. I do, I do owe you an explanation about why I've been gone, because you are a loyal listener, and I really appreciate you sticking with the show. I have been having some strange health issues for about three and a half months. I haven't talked about it on the show yet, because I don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't have any answers about what's happening, and I didn't really want to talk about it in the show until I had answers, but now it's affecting the show, so I decided to let you in on it. I also wanted to let you in on it, because I learned something fascinating about the world. There is poop in the mail. There's human poop in the mail all the time. And I had to tell you that because that's crazy. And in order for this to make sense, I have to tell you about my health stuff that's been going on. So I know I've talked about this many times that I have some strange health issues. I've been diagnosed with atypical migraine and fibromyalgia. For the last four months, I've started having those strange symptoms, but in a new way that is... uh, basically suggesting that my diagnosis was wrong. So I've been going through diagnostic testing. I've been on leave from work, and that's been a whole deal. Unfortunately, I don't have any news yet besides the fact that I am slowly getting better, uh, slowly clawing my way out of whatever it is that's happening. But it's very slow. It's very frustrating. And it has severely limited my uh, energy and my ability to do things. So I'm watching a lot of Buffy and a lot of Angel. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, haven't been working on music or podcasting much because I just haven't had the energy, the creative energy to get stuff done. But I'm starting to have uh, a couple days a week where I feel somewhere close to normal. So I'm trying to harness those days and get some podcasts going on a semi-regular basis if possible. I did just finish the Guardians of the Galaxy sci-fi on trial and put it out a couple days ago. That was uh, a behemoth project to finish, and I'm really excited about it. So definitely go check that out. Uh, But I started seeing a new doctor, and she wanted to do a stool test, which I've never done before. And she sent me home with this kit. This is gross. She sent me home with this kit where you like poop in a tray and then dish 
pieces of poop into little vials and shake them up with uh, like whatever solution preservative is in there and then put it in the mail. And when she handed me this kit, I looked at her incredulously and I said, are you telling me that there's poop in the mail? And then she just made this kind of zipping motion with her fingers back and forth saying, yeah, there's poop flying all over the place all the time. <laughs> and that was the highlight of uh, of my month. So I really had to share that with you because it's wonderful. So yeah, so that's the story. I am still going through diagnostic testing. They've ruled out everything neurological and now they're looking at a whole bunch of other things, but we had to get through the neurological stuff first and that took about three months. So the diagnostic process is very slow and all the new tests that I'm doing will take up to two months to get results for. So, uh, so I won't have any idea what's going on for the time being. I did have to cancel that big show that I was supposed to play in at the high dive in uh, just a couple weeks ago in November, uh, Barton McGuire, who you'll remember from this show and from Mugatu and who has his project Pink Moon, he was visiting from New Zealand and Barton and Dan and I wanted to put on a show together where the three of us performed with our current bands, uh, kind of like a Mugatu reunion show where Mugatu doesn't actually play. Uh, but I had to pull my band out because we weren't able to practice. Uh, I mean, we haven't practiced in uh, coming up on four months now. So everything is kind of in limbo. Right now, my only output is going to be podcasts and hopefully some music, but it takes quite a bit of energy to to get in that musical headspace and make sure that everything's perfect. I'm I'm crawling along on uh, Battle Cry of the Browncoats and on Saturn, so hopefully those will come sooner rather than later, but no promises. But I am going to push myself to start to try getting podcasts out hopefully once a week. I don't know if I can make it work or not, but we'll see what happens. Um yeah, I just, you know, I didn't want to share that for quite a while, and now it has permeated every aspect of my life, so pretty much everybody around me knows, and I felt, what's the harm in letting all of you all know who listen? So that's why I haven't had a consistent release schedule for the last few months, and why I was gone for basically a month just now. Um But I'm back, and I have this awesome episode of me chatting with Amy, and it's super fun. I know Buffy is not a sci-fi show. It's a it's a fantasy horror magic show. Uh but it's got some sci-fi elements and that's close enough for me. And also Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, you know, he's like the sci-fi king, so digging deeper into his uh repertoire of television is something that I think is good. Uh Buffy has like wowed me as far as shows go. But uh, when we recorded this podcast, I'd only seen seasons one through uh, five, and I was halfway through six. So there are spoilers for Buffy all the way up to season six halfway point. Uh, The exact episode I'd seen when we recorded this was Double Meat Palace. So there's spoils from episode one to Double Meat Palace. Uh, If you don't watch Buffy, my hope is that this podcast will inspire you to want to watch Buffy because it's awesome. And it's such a huge part of our current fandom culture that it's really 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 well worth seeing it's been so much fun without further ado welcome back to the show amy simon very excited to chat with her about buffy the vampire slayer
right. Amy Hi. Simon, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> uh, there's like so much stuff between us. There's like microphones and pop filters and mm-hmm. weird mm-hmm. things. It's like being in a spaceship. I'm going to take a picture. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, it's like I can barely <laughs> see Jesse over all these wires and things. Wait, I should take one of you too. Okay. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll make a collage. Cool. So every time... Hold on. There we go. Stay. Yes. Stay. Screw in. Oh, this. We're we talking go. about equipment. <laughs> um. So yeah, since we recorded that first time, every time I see you, we just launch into some long discussion about nerdy shit. Yes. And, and we finally decide we're just going to sit down and talk about nerdy shit. We're going to talk about the TV that we've been watching recently and what we're super into. So, yeah, and we're going to start with Buffy. Oh, we're starting with Buffy? Yes. Fantastic. Because Jesse just watched Buffy for the first. Did you finish it all the way? I'm halfway through season six. Okay. And I'm halfway through season three of Angel. Okay. Yeah. So. So, My Buffy story is like a long and winding road to me becoming totally obsessed with Buffy. Uh, Long, long time ago, my friend Laura uh, really wanted me to get in the show so i'd go over to her place and we watch and i'm like it's it's okay like i could kind of see the appeal but i'm just like it's just not for me mm-hmm. you know it's just not mm-hmm. my thing so we got through a season and a half that way i just couldn't get over the fact that the premise didn't quite make sense there's just like kids dying all the time and no one seems to care and uh you know they they never really went into the backstory of who the watchers council was and mm-hmm. like how buffy got all these powers and it didn't quite grab me mm-hmm. Um, so I, I quit, I quit halfway through season two. So had you not seen the Buffy, the vampire slayer movie no. that came out? Okay. I did notice that, uh, the first episode of the series, they really do reference that, like, you know, they're acting like basically it picks up from that the oh, end of that movie. I still didn't know that. Yeah. I thought the movie was just kind of disconnected. It, I, I thought it, that like it wasn't what Joss Whedon wanted so he started over he I mean he did but there they do reference the fact that they moved to Sunnydale is because she burned down the gym at her last school oh it wasn't even in Sunnydale no so they had, they had just moved Joyce and her had just moved there so she's a brand new student at okay. Sunnydale so I definitely need to go season. watch this movie yeah and the movie's great I mean it's it's much more campy than the show it's much less I don't know. I I feel like Christy Swanson does does an amazing job as Buffy. Huh. She's not Sarah Michelle Gellar. They're two very different Buffies. But they're still in the movie, even though it's very campy and even though Rucker Hauer is like the campiest Dracula you've ever or you know, not Dracula, but Master you've ever seen. Uh-huh. Um Wait, he plays the master? No, is- he doesn't play the master. He okay. plays a uh a vampire, like an ancient vampire named, oh my God, I can't remember. But, but it's not like a character that's in the show. No, it's okay. not the same character. So it's like in the movie, she discovers that she's a slayer. Oh, okay. And it's the first time. It's the origin story. Right. And it's the origin story. And Donald Sutherland plays her watcher. And so, Really? Yes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, you know, after, I think after she slays her first vampire and she's like, what the... You know, and she's covered in bruises and she doesn't understand what's going on. But then she heals really quickly. And then I think he comes sort of out of the shadows and is like, here's the deal. Wow. You're the slayer. Um, And she really fights it, you know, because she just wants to be. She's a popular girl. She's a popular teenage girl. She's going to prom. 
she hangs out with her friends. Hillary Swank plays one of her friends. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember who her other friends are. Um, and Luke Perry is in it. He's not, he's like Luke Perry and his friend, the guy who married Courtney Cox. What's his name? David Arquette. Yeah. David Arquette and like Luke Perry are like the outsider punk dudes. Not Whoa. really punk, but they sort of. I don't remember how they get involved, but anyway. Well, you're very much selling me it's, that I need to watch it. But <laughs> maybe that's what it. was missing for you me is like it. I didn't I didn't have my hooks yeah. into the world. Yeah. And then uh, there's just something about setting something in high school that doesn't sit well with me. Okay. Like I love Smallville and yeah. I watched all of it, but that show blossomed yeah. when they got out of high school. Okay. Um, but then uh, like I mean, even Laura told me she's like, you, you got to wait. Like you're going to get into the show eventually. Mm-hmm. You just got to get mm-hmm. there. And I just wasn't seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So I just kind of fell off. Yeah. And then my friend Jane is um, super into it. Mm-hmm. And she convinced me to give it another. She actually came over and showed me an episode or two from season four. She showed me the Zeppo. Yeah. Uh, where Xander has his his great day with with the undead. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, this show looks totally different. I was yeah. just so fascinated by the fact that the show just comp- like once they left high school, it turned into a different show. I can um, see that. Yeah. So I thought that was super interesting. I went back to season two and I started to like it almost instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, right after the episode where Angel turns bad. Uh, so much jealous. crazy shit happens. Well, yeah. And actually for me watching that in real time. So even though. So when the show came out, I was well into my 20s, you know, but there's mm-hmm. something about Joss Whedon's writing. It's a little bit like John Hughes writing where like he just knows how to write those relationships and those teenage personas and i just fell right back into being a teenage (laughs) girl like i was like oh my god like you know part willow part buffy like there's a lot of emotion going on yeah and then that very you know teenage idea but taken supernatural of well if you sleep with a guy something Mm. terrible is gonna happen totally yeah. And guess what? <laughs> he turned into a murderous into a real vampire. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like, you know, I mean, even Giles references that later on, like, you know, his shock and like, oh my God, you slept with him. Like, yeah. what did you think was going to happen? It's like that sort of, actually Giles makes those references all through the series, right? Like yeah. when Xander falls in with those guys that turn into hyenas, you know, that's, <laughs> Oh, Xander's acting like an idiot and he's being mean. Sounds like a typical teenage boy. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So like that scene, like that, the end, that last scene where, you know, she sleeps with him and then it's, everything's happy. And then Angel wakes up and he's like in pain. And then they do like that pan back shot where he basically, his fangs come out and he bites that woman smoking the cigarette. And then the smoke breathes the smoke out Uh and you're, and he's evil. I was just like holy, I cannot believe that just happened. Yeah. They spent this whole season building up this amazing romance, this very complicated, amazing romance. Mm-hmm. And Buffy finally trusted him enough. And then... And that, she lost her virginity in that yes, episode. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then he's the big bad for the whole next season. Yeah. So it's like... Yeah, it was interesting. Like, I don't know why it didn't... I didn't connect to it for some reason, which is yeah. so funny because of what happened to me later with the show. Yeah. Coming in season three. But, like, I love teen drama. Like, I loved Smallville so mm-hmm. much. I love... Uh, uh, like, I love Once Upon a Time. There's a lot of sort of <laughs> that, that type of drama in yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I get really sucked into those kind of shows. Like if you have this fantasy element and then this sort of romance element, yeah. something about that really appeals to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think maybe it was also sort of like the production value mm-hmm. because as soon as uh, Buffy and Angel meet again after he's turned bad, they have that fight in the mall. Yeah. And as soon as they start fighting, all the lights go down and turn into like red lights and it's really intense and scary. And yeah. it, it, like the whole way that everything looked changed instantly mm-hmm. just because they were fighting. I'm like, well, there was no reason for that to happen. And I get kind of <laughs> caught up in those things. Yeah. yeah. And it started to kind of take me out of the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then the show started like referencing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, oh, oh, I get it. Like, I just wasn't getting it. You know, like the show's doing this on purpose for you to enjoy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just kind of like judging it from the super like weird judgy point of view. Because, you know, when someone tells you this is the best show ever, mm-hmm. you're just like, no, it's not. Star Trek well, The Next Generation is the best show ever. And I'm going to hate this. And it took me a while to get over that with this show. It's totally subjective, though. You know, I mean, yeah. not totally. But yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to like what you're going to like. Yeah. And that's your interests are going to change, too. You totally. Know? Well, I talk about that all the time with my friends. Like there are a ton of movies that came out in the 90s when, you know, when I was in my early 20s or mid 20s that I loved loved love loved and watched and watched and watched over and over and over and like when i see them now like one's legends of the fall right uh-huh. legends of the fall is this big sweeping romantic tragedy with julia Ramond and brad pitt and anthony hopkins <laughs> and uh i have not seen that uh, yeah i mean it's it's this big sort of sweeping romantic western or like far and away with nicole kidman and tom cruise like those those things like at the time, I loved them and thought they were like amazing dramas. And when I watch them now, I'm like, Ugh. I mean, it's probably the way people <laughs> feel about Titanic. People who were in their 20s or, or younger when they saw Titanic, they yeah. watch it again in their 30s or 40s. are going to be like, this movie is actually really terrible. Yeah. And maybe even <laughs> gross. Right. Yeah. But yeah, Buffy, I mean, I think, you know, Buffy arguably, like, arguably, <laughs> I've only had like two sips of wine, I swear. Um it touches so many different people. I mean, I think that's Whedon's gift. Like I was saying, yeah. he is kind of like a John Hughes where he has this ability to sort of tell this story in a very relatable way. Yeah. And Buffy, I think in particular for teenage girls, anybody who was ever a teenage girl is just like, oh, my God, that's me. Like mm, you feel, awesome. you know, and it's not as divided as something like Sex in the City where everybody was like, I'm a carrier, you know, yeah. nobody ever said there was Samantha. But Another whatever. show that I watched a lot of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I still think that show like has its strengths and weaknesses. It but... started like the first season was great. Yeah. 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 But like, you know, Buffy, I think for the most part, like everybody can sort of identify with Eamon's boys are usually like, oh, Xander, you know, like I'm such a Xander. I'm yeah. So much like Xander because Xander has that. He's so awkward. He's awkward and then he grows and he, you know, he's more yeah. confident, but he still has that goofy. Yeah. You know, and he, like, he can't stand a silence. He's got to <laughs> fill it with something idiotic. Yeah. And like being so in love with Buffy, but then sort of learning. Yeah. Like, oh, well, we're just going to be friends and that's how yeah. it's going to be. You it's know? So, yeah. You're man reminding me of so many things from those early seasons because I saw seasons one and a half so mm-hmm. long ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then once I kind of got into season three and sort of like started to get invested yeah i just hit the ground running and i watched i mean i'm halfway through season six right now mm-hmm. and i watched that all very quickly yeah um where like the, all the sort of initial setup of the relationships was so much more cookie cutter mm-hmm. and maybe like what will get on tv because what were they on the w wb yeah or is that where they so. moved to they moved uh, to this i think they moved Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember what's what. I thought they were on Fox and then they moved to the WB. Moved to the WB? I that think sounds, so. I think they did move to yeah. the WB. I think yeah. that's right. 
but once they sort of once the relationship started to grow, mm-hmm. um, like the the wonder of the show is the fact that every single main character has a beautiful arc, right? Like a very well plotted arc, and they feel like real people. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I mean, by the time you get to season six, it's like all your best friends, and they all start to fight, and it's devastating. Yeah, and it's a it's so well written. I mean, it's mm. I mean, I'm skipping a lot here, but uh, like I'm at the point with the show now where I'm just like so impressed with it. And every episode is just such a treat. Mm -hmm. And I've been that way since like season three, which has been really exciting for me. (laughs) So how did you feel about Dawn? Like when she appeared, what was your initial? Did you know anything about that beforehand? I knew nothing about it. Okay. Well, before we get to Dawn, can I talk about Faith for a second? Yes. Because Faith is what... I love Faith. Faith is what like like got me to start loving the show. Yeah. Uh, Faith is like, um, one, I'm a little in love with her yeah like i have a crush on her but also faith is like the girl that i would i wanted to be in high school yeah like even though it seems ridiculous to say that because she's so such a loner and so shielded yeah like i just love that she was so kick-ass not that buffy's not kick-ass she is but in a totally different way than faith is yeah like she's shielded (laughs) in a way that's like very powerful mm-hmm. where you can't really touch her right and until she i mean the whole arc of season three was so great mm-hmm. and i got so invested in it and this was like senior year in high school for the characters uh and faith shows up as the new slayer and she's just like the coolest person you've yeah. ever wanted you just want to you want her to think that you're cool you five know by five five by five yeah totally yeah uh, and then she kind of goes a little deranged yeah and i over love the course that of the too. season and then the mayor was amazing. I don't remember that actor's yeah. name, but he played uh, Tan Elbrun in mm-hmm. season three of Next Generation in one episode. Yeah, uh, he was the the empath in in the Tin Man episode. He was the empath that was connected to the space creature. Yeah, yeah. So I saw him. I'm like, oh yeah, I like that guy so much in this He's episode. So I've seen it a thousand good. times. But he was fucking great on yeah. that show. I love that bent. That like sort of fifties dad. Oh yeah, you know like. Be a good girl, Faith, and trying to get her to wear wear like little nice dresses and really playing <laughs> on her loneliness, right? Really playing on the totally. fact that she's an outsider from the Scooby Gang and she'll never fit in, and yeah, tricking and, her into this false sense of family and love in yeah. order to get her to do what she wants, and she totally does. She does everything that Mayor that Mayor wants. She I does think everything. I think the Mayor actually does love her. I think that. There's a part of it that's real for him, you know? Yeah, maybe. As as much as someone who is, like, a, a sociopath can love, yeah. I think that he does maybe. see something of himself Kinda in like her that he wants to foster. The master and Darla a little bit, which, mm. you know, which is an interesting thing, because in the first season, they really shunted that relationship aside. Like, Darla did not last very long, right, in the first season. Which is a bummer, because Darla's... Buffy. Darla's amazing. Super cool. She's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Um, But I don't want to ruin anything for you. Oh, I'm so. done with Darla. She's... <laughs> Spoilers, she's dead. In Angel? Yeah. I'm okay. pa- I just passed that. Okay, you just passed that part. Yeah. Okay, so she staked she herself so that her and... okay, baby good, good, good. could. That was beautiful. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, so you're in the part where Angel gets really weird. Okay, so. Yeah, I just watched <laughs> yeah. today on Angel. I watched the episode where they went to the ballet and okay. Summer Glau showed up for the yes. first time. And it was so good. Oh, that episode's so good because yeah. of the whole Fred and. Fred and, and Gunn and, Gun and Wesley. And Wesley triangle. Oh, Wesley. 
Okay. Okay. Back to season three. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. When so, Wesley shows up, that's when I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> I am fucking amazing. in. Yeah. Wesley Wyndham Price so we're kind is of, the best. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Wesley in Buffy is hilarious. Yeah. As Faith's Watcher, which hilarious. is such a great way to be introduced. It just mm-hmm. all that. That's when I'm like, wow, this world building is starting to make sense to me, and like I'm getting really into the idea of having a Watcher because now I see another one and it gives me a frame of reference, mm-hmm. and this guy is just like adult and i love him yeah and i also think that after that then they start bringing in the watchers council a little bit more to come fix things and that's when you learn that the watchers council is a little bit like Like the shop in stephen king novels right it's like a conglomerate of government officials basically that are trying to keep things they've lost touch with what it's like Mm -hmm. on the ground to fight the good fight and they don't care about the slayers being actual human girls they just are kind of viewing them as a, a machine, like right. a Whereas means to an end. Giles is, is very much becoming a father figure oh, to Giles. Buffy. I uh, know. And this is another thing where, I mean, I always love Giles. Even when I was iffy on the show, mm-hmm. I love Giles. Yeah. But by season three, I love Giles. Like, How can I you not love, love Giles? Giles, Giles okay. and Wesley together, I would watch a whole show of just Giles and Wesley together. Yeah. Like, sharing an apartment. Like, have their own watchers. They don't, like, work together. They come home and they talk about their day. I would watch just that because it would be so good. <laughs> so season one, end of season one. You know, season one is basically just about Buffy kind of. Like, we've got the master as the big bad. Yeah. The whole prophecy girl thing is happening. Yeah. The end of season one was in interesting because you have, Angel. like, they have to stop the end of the world. And mm-hmm. she dies for a second to yes. kind of trick the prophecy. Yeah. And then Kendra, the vampire slayer, <laughs> shows up. I... <laughs> I really liked her a lot. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait. Am I remembering the right person? Her accent was the worst, though. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I liked her a lot. Yeah, she was the one who Kendra. was killed, right? Mm-hmm. Drusilla that was killed her. Yeah. Very surprising to me. Yeah, and so you have yeah. So then season two, then Spike and Drusilla enter, right? Are their second season, right? I believe it was second season. Right. The yeah. second season, they band with Angelus. They have that whole weird uh, monster thing that they unleash in right. the mall. Right. Yeah, and like the, it ends And then Xander with... ends up bringing in the rocket launcher. That's oh, season two, that. yeah. I, I don't remember for sure. Because I kind of mix up all the se- like season two, season three kind of run yeah. together. I remember season two ends with Angel getting his soul back at the very moment that, right. that Buffy has yeah. to kill him. Yeah. And I know oh, that he was that working like with the worst. like yeah. Spike and Drew to yeah. make all these bad things happen. So that happened. Yeah. Spike and Drusilla take off. Yeah. And then season three. Season three, the the big arc is mm-hmm. to me. It's faith. It's faith's right. arc is faith. all like pretty much all season long. Like the first couple the episodes. Big bad is the mayor, right? Yeah. Okay. The first uh, first couple episodes when Buffy is in a different where'd she go? A different city. It was like L.A. or something. Yeah, she went to L.A. Yeah, and used her name Anne and became a waitress. Yeah, and went. She was so pouty. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it was kind of almost boring until Faith shows up. Right, and then. Uh, just when they went back to Sunnydale, that's when I kind of felt, felt myself just really starting to connect with Buffy's journey as right. a character. Uh, and then everyone else, too. And I hated Xander <laughs> until season four. Like, I thought he was the most annoying piece of shit until I, re- I had this, like, moment of revelation. I was like, wow, it's because I am Xander. And it drives me crazy watching myself. Well, and Xander, I mean... Yeah, I mean Xander is a little bit of a like a not all men guy in the first couple seasons too, where he's so in love with Buffy and he's yeah. he's trying to convince her like why you know why are you falling for this you know nine hundred year old vampire 
who's now evil. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like I'm here, I've been here this whole time. And then not realizing that Willow is, is on the other him. side of that, yeah. like waiting for him to snap out of it and realize that she's right there. Totally. You know, but it's okay because then Oz shows up and oh, everything's great for love a while. Oz. For a Oz while. is great. Yeah. Um, He's such a great character. Like his just lack of facial expression is so funny right and then like all those moments where he keeps seeing willow it's literally every time she's in a crazy costume right yeah <laughs> and every time he sees her he says who is that girl yeah um i love it yeah yeah i mean by the time you get to the end of the season i was like that end of season three i was super upset that they killed principal snyder because first <laughs> of all like it's quark from deep space nine and yeah. i was so excited when he showed up in the show armin shimmerman i was so right. happy uh, but it was funny because he's yeah. he's like in on it, right? He's like doing what he can to like t- bring down the Slayer and stop her friends from saving people. Yeah, but not and not because he's on the side of evil, because no. he's just like clueless and on the side of control. Well, no, he kind of he was though. He was in on it the whole time. I'm pretty sure you he think, was. I I yeah. felt like he he just like the mayor was like paying him or something. Like it was all they were all was, working together. He was kind of working for the mayor, yeah. but it was only I felt like it was just because. He doesn't question authority. He doesn't question he just, authority. He just loves authority and he doesn't question when other That's people have it. That's a good theory. So he just kind of went I, along with the bad people because they were in. I mean, he oh, was the mayor. He I, was legitimately the mayor, you know? I thought, yeah. I thought he was just, I thought Snyder was just kind of like. I didn't think he believed in any of it. I didn't think he believed in any of like the witchcraft and wizardry and oh, vampires. That reminds I, me of one of my favorite episodes, the talent show episode with the puppet. Which one was that? <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah! That evil puppet, the creep. Yeah, because yeah. that's that's where the phrase "gives me the wigs" comes from, right? That's really Buffy's first utterance of, you know, uh, mannequins. Uh, not mannequins. What do you call those things? Ventriloquist dummies. The yeah. dummies. Dummies give me the wigs. The yeah. serious wigs. Yeah. Um, and they do, right? They're super creepy. And then you have this instance where this dummy's like running around, and yeah. the, and uh, the demon. That it's hunting is stealing people's brains. Yeah. You know, and then there's that great moment where at the end of the talent show, when the curtain goes up, they're all stand, all the Scoobies are on stage and they've got a demon with its head cut off. (laughs) And I think Xander's holding the dummy that's just like limp. Yeah. Where Buffy is and the curtain raises and all the people in the audience are just looking at them like what? (laughs) (laughs) Including Snyder. Yeah. I do remember that. I I saw that one. In my initial, that must have been in like the first half of season two or something. Yeah. I saw that in my initial run and I, I remember that one sticking out. I was like, it's well, this, I wish like more episodes it's were really this good. good. Yeah. But I mean, I got my wish very much because yeah. like season three, I felt like it uh, very quickly found its footing and then every episode was great for the mm-hmm. rest of the season. Uh, so then season four, I was so excited when they get out of high school and get out, Giles yeah. gets his new place and he's kind of mopey because he doesn't have a job anymore because mm-hmm. they destroyed the high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like the show kept a lot of what made it like it kept everything that made it good, but then it added so many new layers mm-hmm. that were all really interesting to me. I know people, I, it seems to me like people don't necessarily like the initiative storyline. The initiative storyline sucks. I, I enjoyed it. I <laughs> thought it was great. I, I think it's because. Come here, Miles. Well, I don't know. I'm sort of like anti-military storylines in general. So that's kind of one of the things yeah two i always felt riley was just like a little too milk toast like a little too yeah not i don't know i guess i felt like riley did what like you know riley felt like he wasn't good, good enough, enough i, I want to say good enough but i just want to say like i don't think he ever really completely understood her 
Yeah. Like what her, what drove her and what her fears were and everything like that. I agree. And that's why I liked Riley. Yeah. But then also I just think like the, the idea of like this secret (laughs) military operation that runs its base out of the college where the professor Maggie is like the mastermind. I don't know. That whole thing just made me go like, I, (laughs) it seemed more ridiculous to me somehow than believing that like. A, vam- a group of vampire slayers would be hanging out in a high school. I don't know why. That's funny. But- I think that since I had just kind of accepted the initial premise uh-huh. and gotten on board with like, well, this is just ridiculous. And yeah. I love that about it. When the initiative happened, I'm like, great, more ridiculous shit to, to get involved with. Uh, and I, I loved Adam as a character, like the I big hated Adam. You didn't like Adam. I thought that actor was great. <laughs> but, Adam, like the Frankenstein's monster like put a- together of all these different uh, demons. Yeah. I thought who- that. I thought that villain was really boring, though. Oh, I enjoyed him quite a bit. And then Spike uh, comes back and is around a lot more. Spike has become probably my favorite character. I mean, Giles and Spike are my two favorites, but Mm -hmm. I'm at the point now where Giles isn't on the show anymore, except like kind of he comes and goes. But uh, Spike has really taken over as being my favorite character. James Marsders is an incredible actor. He is. Who does astonishing things with that character. He does. He does. And it is a really interesting arc. Spike is a really interesting character arc. And, you know, that idea, I mean, you're halfway through season six. So, so right now, sure. Buffy and Spike have been sleeping together. Okay. And uh, Buffy is just now starting to actually like stick around and talk to okay. him for a second instead of just running away after she yeah. fucks him. Yeah. So, yeah. But bringing okay. them from being like mortal enemies so to that point yeah, yeah, was yeah. so well written and like such a slow, long thing that they took. I mean, they took like four years to get there. Right. And I was fascinated by it. I just thought it was such a good story. Well, and it's really the idea that, you know, the reason Buffy has given in is because she's not entirely human anymore. That's like right. a really interesting thing to think about. Totally. Um, which makes sense. I mean, she's died three times three times now you know yeah (laughs) like totally of course you're not going to come back completely whole yeah but yeah yeah we'll get there but i've been loving season six so far but yeah because of that but yeah spike i mean i think you know like he's dealing he's still dealing with that like he's in love with her but he knows he shouldn't be because she's a slayer and he's still a vampire even though he can't hurt people with He's still a vampire. Yeah. He's still evil. Yeah. Um, But he's sort of like there's these struggles that he's having with his character. It's interesting. Like when he loses the ability to kill people because of the chip in his head, Mm -hmm. um, he starts to just change slowly in ways that he doesn't like. Right. It seems like he becomes less violent when he can't, you know, feed on other humans. And even though he can still kill demons, the show kind of goes out of its way to put a line in the sand yeah. To tell you that it's okay to kill demons, but not okay to kill humans. Like, emphasized by what happens with Faith mm-hmm. towards the end of season three. Mm-hmm. Which is something that starts to get really murky when you when you start watching Angel. Because they hang out with demons and they go to the demon club. They go to, uh, was it, Caritas? Ka- yeah. Uh, Lauren. And Lauren is just the best. Yeah. We could, we'll have to have like a whole nother podcast just about Angel, yeah. I think. But <laughs> Totally. I, will, I do have to say, though, when I got to season three of Buffy. Yeah. Or sorry, season four of Buffy. Uh, I was so invested that I'm like, well, I'm going to watch Angel also. And I found the watching order online on this blog. And I've been going from that point on, I've been going through back and forth. And it's been so much fun. It's Mm -hmm. like 
a project yeah. that I have where I'm just watching these two shows uh, and it's just seeing how they cross over and seeing how both shows are growing kind of concurrently has been absolutely wonderful and so much fun. And I highly recommend it. I do. And, and thinking about that, too, about Spike. They do start to make a point in Buffy also of showing you that there are different demons that aren't necessarily terrible people. Right. right, right. They've got the whole um, the loan shark thing, which is like, so hilarious to me, like the literal loan shark. Oh, my God. I saw him um, <laughs> once and he was. Yeah. But so ridiculous. They've got Clem. You know, they've got the group of um, has Clem entered the scene yet. The, I don't think the so. The demon with all the folds and stuff. We got the whole poker playing party. Maybe they haven't gotten there yet. I don't want to ruin it for they it. They did but play they, poker once where they're playing for, kit, yes, for kittens. Yes, for kittens. Yeah. So yeah, I must so have seen him and just not know who they, he was yet. They kind of bring in, yeah, he, he'll, he'll show up again. Um, they're bringing in like a couple of different characters to show you like, yeah, there's demons, but you know, not all of them are just like people that yeah. not all of them are all bad and not all of them are all good. Yeah. They're, I, all, they're all from the hell mouth, but like. They're all different. It's something that actually I think sort of detracts from the focus of the show. Mm -hmm. Because when you have to like make a judgment call, is this a good or a bad demon? Then it becomes more just like, is this a good or a bad person? Yeah. And then is Buffy just killing people? Well, yeah. I mean, then they address that with Faith, right? Like where she she accidentally kills kills a person. Yeah. Not knowing. Right. But then she just doesn't deal with it, which is the thing that fractures her Right. Totally. Yeah. I think that that's... And that was such a strong storyline. Yeah. I mean, later on when demons become more friends, Mm -hmm. especially on Angel. uh, I mean, the main reason I accept it is because I'm just really enjoying the whole world in general. And I just kind of want to enjoy it. So I just stop asking questions of it. But there is a part of me that feels like uh, if you're going to have good demons, you need to kind of go out of your way to show why. Like angel yeah he's a, a vampire with a soul it made right. it always made sense yes and then spike's journey of not being able to feed and then kind of falling for buffy mm-hmm. really made sense also yeah and uh, i'm at the point now where because buffy's not quite right he can hurt her right which is really interesting but they yeah and, and this that's sort of a problematic you know as a feminist it's like a little problematic to see this because it's they do beat each other up when they're when they're when they're being sexual right i mean that is like a thing that happens and like i have to like kind of i mean there's a lot that's wrong with that yeah like i recognize that that like whedon's not saying not that you know he's not saying like this is an acceptable behavior and this is like there's something wrong with that whole relationship right totally there's something wrong with buffy and that's why not just that's she's that's, that's why she's doing in her this. brain. Yeah. Like she thinks she's deserving of this is the only relationship that she's sort of deserving of is this relationship right. with a demon that is, you know, very violent and yeah. like purely sexual and there's no emotional attachments. And that's like, I get it, but it is like a little bit like, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. About. I never thought about it that way because mm-hmm. she's stronger than him. I always felt like he was in more danger than she was. Yeah, but. It's, but but it's a very good point. Day, at the end of the day, man, you have a man beating a woman, you know, beating up a woman. Right. And and, and whether or not the woman is beating the man up also yeah, is like doesn't change point. the fact that you are putting it on television. That there's like a, a cool man. Yeah. Beating a woman that you like. That's right. a, that's very I never thought about it in those terms. And it's also hard because you're starting to like Spike. He's yeah. starting to do things that are I, more I, you human. Know, you know, is there is there a line? I don't know. This is a this is a deep well, but to me, like I never took it that way because it was just rough sex. Yeah, like, they just enjoy rough sex with each other. I mean, and, he flat out like 
hits her a couple of times though either before they she, or later she, when she refuses when she punches him he yeah. punches her back yeah i mean yeah. but keep going with your thought i'm sorry oh no that was my yeah. thought yeah i mean it is it is it is weird something about those it's, characters i like they do i think they kind of i, I wouldn't say make it work but right. i think that it does serve the story yeah in, in a good way and you'll see, yeah, I don't, again, I don't want to ruin anything for you because you're sort of, you're watching like yeah, I'm so into it for the right first now. time, right? Yeah. But let's go back to Don for a minute. So okay, when, yeah. so so when yeah. Don entered the credits or when that, yeah. that first episode where, where <laughs> I thought I'd she, missed something. She, right. I was like, wait, what? That's exactly like watching it real time. My mom and I were like, we looked at each other and then we like looked back to the TV and then we looked at each other again and we were like, wait, who, what yeah. sister, what's happening? Yeah. So you know? for people who are listening who aren't <laughs> watching Buffy, first of all, go watch Buffy. Mm-hmm. Second of all, uh, in the very beginning of, was it the season finale of season three or, or season four or was wait. it the first episode of season five? I don't even think it's the first episode. I think they wait like one remember. or two episodes. Yeah. Right yeah. in the beginning of season five, mm-hmm. uh, a new character shows up and it's Dawn's, it's Dawn. It's Buffy's teenage sister. She's never been talked about, never been referenced. But she's in the credits. But yeah, she's suddenly in the credits <laughs> and she's, it, everyone acts like she's been there the whole time. Yeah. Um, and it's baffling, but great. Baffling. I loved it. So cool. Such a great way to yeah. introduce a character uh, where you're just like, I really need to see another episode of this because I don't understand what the fuck is happening. Right. Uh, and it's Michelle Trachtenberg and she's such a good actress at such a young age. Yeah. And I, I love Don, but you know, there's a whole group of people that hate Don. I don't understand that. They I hate love her. Don. Yeah, and they're like, she's so whiny. I'm like, yeah, because she's like she's a 12 year old girl, yeah. you know? I like, think she's a surprisingly strong willed. <laughs> Like, yeah, 13 year old or however old she is. Uh, yeah, I think they did an excellent. I don't even I mean, I'm an only child, so I can only guess about how sisters interact. But I felt like they did a really good job with that yeah. younger, older sister dynamic and totally attention from mom and totally. like all the things that come with that. Right. And I'm a younger brother and mm-hmm. I was that way. Like, yeah, I mean, e- even beyond gender dynamics, just being a young, younger sibling, mm-hmm. I felt like they nailed it where she just feels like uh, she's not getting like because when you're a younger sibling you get like so much attention yeah. you know yeah and then when any attention is given to the other sibling you're just like where's my attention give it back to me <laughs> right and then there's the additional dynamic of buffy being special right and having these superpowers right and you know don or so you know everybody believes is just a regular kid she's yeah nothing special about her and you know the way that story unfolds is really interesting mm-hmm. and they somehow managed to have her not actually be Buffy's sister and still feel like Buffy's sister to the audience. Right. You like accept her as part of the family. Right. Because the Scooby gang is is a family mm-hmm. and they can add anyone they want and they do add Dawn to the family. Right. And she is kind of a a, a blood relative in a way because she is made from Buffy. Right. Uh, that whole, I loved season five. Yeah. And, uh, and Glory. Glory. Holy shit. Claire Kramer so good nails that character the moment she shows up on screen i'm just like who are you why are you not famous because i love you (laughs) she's so funny so charming so villainous and wonderful everything that you'd want from a buffy villain Mm -hmm. uh right up there in my book with the the mayor i love the mayor so much and i was bummed that he died yeah well and i felt the same way about glory but at this point i'm like well I'm sure you're going to come up with something great next season. So yeah. I'm going to be okay with you killing these bad guys. You're going to be okay. Yeah, you're totally. Okay. So, yeah, I, I was just really interested in that whole story. Right. All of season five. Ben was really interesting. Ben right. had these hard choices to make. Um, and this, so massive, massive, massive spoilers for Buffy. Right. But uh, in season five, you get the body 
which oh is God. one of the best episodes of any television show that it's... I've ever seen where I was like, uh, I felt like I was in this little cocoon of stillness mm-hmm. the whole time I watched it where mm-hmm. nothing, where the show was like real. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, so big spoilers, Buffy's mom dies. It's the shock at the end of the episode before. And then you spend an entire episode with Buffy dealing with the death of her mom. Yeah. And her mom. And there's just, no music in the entire episode. There's no music. And mm-hmm. it just feels like you're sucked right into the television. Mm-hmm. It's written and directed by Joss Whedon. And, you yeah. know, up until this point, you're kind of watching Joss Whedon develop as a storyteller. And then he starts to just kind of hit, knock things out of the park. Mm-hmm. I mean, the season finale, season four, knocked it out of the park. Like the the big bad had already been taken care of, and then they right. take this like crazy journey into the mind of all of the main characters. Oh, well, I forget what that episode was called, but that was amazing. It was so so good. And then you get to season five, and then you get this episode, the body, and I was just like, I was just emotionally <laughs> devastated by it. I I cry every single time I watch that episode. Yeah, I mean, I cry I cry at a lot of Buffy episodes, but like that one, it's so. Yeah, it's devastating. It's so yeah. devastating. Yeah, because I love Joyce. Mm-hmm. I I loved that character. I mm-hmm. love the actress. Uh, it it's a really 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 hard loss. Yeah. it's one of the hardest losses on any show I've ever watched. Where you're just like, oh my god, this character's dead, mm-hmm. and it feels like a family member's dead. Right, and you get to see like, which is really interesting too, because like Joyce is a really minor character in this series when you think about it like she's not in every single episode right you know and she's a recurring and once they go character. to college like she's not there a lot yeah because you know, they're in college and they're away from her but but she is like the mom like she's she's buffy's mom and she's, and she's, she's all buffy everyone's has. mom you yeah know? she's the scooby, scooby mom. mom and then you know you had the band candy episode with her and child oh i love that episode Looking with up. ripper yeah oh my <laughs> yeah. god i just wanted them to get back together every day after that <laughs> that would have been weird though i, I know like. it's but... good that they didn't but i wanted it really badly and oh. i love the they like reference it a couple times later yeah. on uh when there's that episode where everyone has to tell the truth mm-hmm. oh so good oh and I, we forgot to talk about one of my other favorite episodes, uh, the one with the, is it the silence? The w- Hush. Hush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hush was. The Gentleman. The Gentleman. That's, yeah, that's, that's another what, crowd Oh, The Silence is from Doctor Who. Yeah. The, the Gentleman. Oh my God, that episode was Hush. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's so good. And, and, you know, and that episode is sort of like the opposite of the body where it's p- almost purely music because yeah. from like 10 minutes in, everybody can't talk. Yeah. And because these, these gentlemen steal their voices. And yeah. so. You know, there's that. It's full of humor, but it's also just terrifying so because scary. the gentlemen are so terrifying. scary, and they have like, they're like these floaty, grinning demons that have <laughs> these long fingers, and then they have like these weird minions that are in like straight jackets. Yeah, with like know? bags over their yeah. head, they look kind of like the scarecrow from Batman. Yeah, and they float like the 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 gentlemen. You can never see their legs move; no, they just kind of float, they just float around, and they have this like horrible maniacal grin yes. on their faces all the time yeah um and then there's a great humor sequence in the in the the college like auditorium where giles has like a light oh, what, are yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are those things called i don't even know the, uh, the projector was, thing projector like light projector thing uh, and he's yeah, drawn like all of these ridiculous like yeah. diagrams <laughs> like buffy will protode patrol tonight with like this terrible like cartoon buffy yeah um and you know like the gentleman with like all this blood splatter on the yeah <laughs> the oh, so good stuff. yeah i <laughs> it's mean it's really good also, also written and directed by joss whedon yeah like they start to make episode premises that are just so interesting and mm-hmm. then they play them out 
so well. Yeah. And it's, I mean, this is what I loved about Star Trek The Next Generation is that the premise would be fascinating and then they would examine it and unfold the premise in a mm-hmm. very interesting way. And Buffy is doing that like so well and continuing to do that into where I'm at in season six. Like I just watched the episode where everyone forgets who they are. Oh, yeah. And it's it's a total sci-fi premise. Willow. That happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, yeah. they do it in all the best sci-fi yeah. shows. And then to see it in this show is really interesting. They mm-hmm. did that on Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And I, I love oh, things man. like that, like body swapping. They've done that before. Yeah. Which is always like great. I'm so excited for you to finish the rest of the season because oh, it's like wait. the greatest. I'm really excited. It's yeah. So, I, so the body, I mean, after I saw the body, I was like, well, everyone who's like everyone who doesn't like Buffy needs to watch it and they need to start. I would say start from season three. Yeah. Um, if Because the whole I don't know, it, it was hard for me to get through seasons one and two. But season three on has been just like stellar. And then the body just blew me away. I couldn't even believe they'd made an episode of TV that was that good. I know. Yeah. Because, you know, you get to see everybody's reaction and like willow's reaction just like breaks your heart you yeah. know she's just trying to find this stupid blue shirt for like the whole yeah. episode you know and then you've even got anya who initially like everybody is like shut up because you know they feel like she doesn't understand you know this yeah. because she's a former demon yeah but she's <laughs> just processing in but, her own yeah, way but she actually like she has that great moment where Basically, Xander's telling her she's being inappropriate and then she just kind of loses it. And then he understands like what's going on with her. Like it's her moment of really becoming human, her moment of like understanding how unfair it is. Yeah. You know, that people can just die. Yeah. There's no explanation. There's no demon that killed her. There's no supernatural cause. There's no way to bring her back. Like she's just gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love Anya as a character. Mm-hmm. I thought her addition was wonderful. I started really to like great. Xander through Anya's eyes. Mm-hmm. And now I really like Xander. I mean, yeah. I, after that episode where uh, where Riley was leaving and Xander runs into Buffy in the alley and like tells her, like, get your shit together and go tell this boy you love him. Like yeah. that, his whole speech, uh, I'm like, Xander like grew a, grew a spine at some point. Yeah, he grew up he grew at up. some point. Yeah. And it started to make me kind of reassess his character in a much more... Uh, forgiving light. Yeah, and I I love what they've I love what they've done with him. Where now he's, um, like a core member of the group, even though he doesn't really have anything to offer. Mm-hmm. Like what he all he has is like his uh, dedication and enthusiasm, and uh, and that's enough, you know. Yeah, like that's so worthwhile and so worth having, and it's really yeah. cool. And and I love the there's that episode where he's like, man, I need to get more male friends because he, he doesn't <laughs> he hang doesn't out have with any, any men yeah. at all. Well, it, well, yeah. And that's interesting, too, because it's like, you know, there aren't there. What option does he have? Yeah. You know, Oz is gone. Yeah. Um, And Oz and him really were not suited to being friends anyway. Right. Plus the whole thing. Right. With him and Willow. Yeah. totally. Uh, and, you know, and Giles is, you know, obviously like the father figure. Who so kind it's of like, who, hates Xander? Who does Xander have? He doesn't. Yeah. He has Spike. He can't. But he can't like Spike. Right. He can't get over himself enough to like Spike. He can't because, well, he's one. He's scarred by Angel, right? Yeah. And what Angel did to Buffy, and two. I mean, let's not forget that Spike is a vampire who killed many, 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 many people. Right. So yeah, I mean, the like the audience starts to like Spike, but 
because he's like the underdog because yeah. the audience sees him change and knows it's kind so, of real but the characters don't necessarily see that right so like in contrast when you met angel he was already tortured emo vampire right yeah. like yeah he had murdered hundreds of people Mm-hmm. But he's atoning, right? He's atoning, right? He's and got his a soul, soul, like his soul, is the line in the sand where, like, he's got whole, a soul, so he's different. His whole purpose is to help Buffy on her quest to seal the Hellmouth and make yeah. sure that, like, nothing bad gets out, right? Right. He's atoning. Uh, Xander's still not having it, you know. Yeah. Xander's still hating on Angel, but with Spike, when you meet him, he's the big bad, and yeah. he's straight up trying to kill Buffy and all of her friends. Yeah. And so like you can't how do you get around that? I don't know. Somehow somehow Whedon makes you like Spike even yeah. though you know that. Even though you know that he's tried to kill her multiple times. Even though you know that he has no problem killing anybody and even though you know that the only thing keeping him from killing people now is a chip in his head. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm at the point where I believe that if they took that chip out he wouldn't go back to how he used to be if it meant that he could stay with Buffy. And I really hope that they do that on the show. I hope but, that they bring that question up because yeah. I'd be curious to see what happens. But why? I mean, he he still doesn't have a soul. So, like, why? Yeah, and that's this is the other thing about him that's so fascinating <laughs> to me is, like, the show never defines what a soul is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just say that vampires don't have it. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that meant that vampires don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. But that's been disproven because... Spike was in love with Drusilla. Right. The first time he comes back to Sunnydale, he's all like... Uh, and Darla was in love with Angel. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 In, in her own way. Right. Uh, so, and they, they definitely go into this on, on Angel where like Darla has this baby inside of her with a soul. So she starts to feel right. like someone with a soul. So they never really define it. But then Spike shows intense emotion. Uh, I mean, we're like up to the end of season five now and the last episode of season five is where Buffy dies and the look on Spike's face was the saddest part of that whole episode to me where he just sees this future that he's been imagining with this person just come to an end and Mm -hmm. he is like ripped apart yeah Uh, and again James Marsder is holy shit holy shit can't believe what a great actor he is in this show Spike is kind of like a serial relationshipist you know yeah, what I mean? Like, totally. He's like a long-term guy. Totally. So it really <laughs> makes me wonder, I mean, is, like, what is a soul, you know, in the yeah. show? What is a soul? Do vampires actually not have souls? Or is, like, is what they mean they by that, like that they have it. this fundamental lack of, of human empathy and emotion? And that maybe that's but, from drinking from people? And when they stop doing that, does something kind of grow inside of them? That's what I wonder. Have, like, that phys- I mean, there is a physical representation of the soul that they show. Oh, is there? I don't yeah, remember that. Yeah, it's like a, well, I mean, it's like a ball of light, you know? It's like, because uh, that's how, like, when they give it, get it back into Angel, it's like a ball oh, of light. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's totally. like the idea, I think, that the soul is like this spiritual part of you, right? Yeah. And so when you die, it leaves. So when you're a, Reborn as a vampire, it doesn't like come back. It can't like gotcha. come back. It's okay. like out yeah, there. Totally. In totally. You're heaven right. or wherever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a really interesting premise to say, like, if you take someone's soul away, who are they? Right. And it's been so I'm so. I did not grow up in in a Christian household. Mm-hmm. And this show is kind of like the horrors of Christianity. Yeah, you know? It is a little it's bit. very much like rooted in Christianity. Right. So I think that's another reason why it took me a really long time to get into it because I didn't connect to it. Because I did not grow up hearing about angels and demons and, yeah. and all of these things. Like the vampire element always interested me because I, I, you know, 
I'll admit it. I like vampire stuff. Mm-hmm. I watched all of True Blood also recently. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, um, God. Well, I finished True Blood recently because I, I took a big, season. long break. Yeah. But but the whole like demon thing and, and all of that is very much rooted in Christian mythology. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of turned me off at first. And now that I'm really into it, it's because they've expanded that mythology to basically say like everything that you've been taught that's happening is not actually what's happening. And this is the way that the demon world actually works. And it's something much more intricate and interesting. And I think that's really cool. I mean, I, I really yeah. like that kind of storytelling. Uh, but the whole the whole thing about a soul is, is the one sticking point where I'm just like, I think that uh, that you have to kind of grow up in like this Christian world being taught what these things mean to mm-hmm. to really kind of have an intrinsic understanding of that. And I think that the show creators expect you to have an intrinsic understanding of what that means, which I think is fascinating to have a pivotal story element be something that they expect you to just understand that they never really describe. I think that's actually kind of cool. And it's something that I've come to really love about the show is that it just has a very distinct point of view that you just have to learn by watching the show. Yeah. And so that we can have these like crazy intense discussions because there's so much there, there to dig into. There's there's like a lot. There's a lot of layers, which, yeah, which is like, I think I mentioned this to you before, which like I don't understand when people like accuse Whedon of being superficial or of, you know, being sexist or any of these things, because I see so much more in every yeah. episode. I see I see so many layers of things happening and so many different ways in which the characters change and grow and are selfish. I mean, like even, even the good, you know, like Willow has her moments, you know, I mean, Xander has his moments. There, there are a lot of moments when every single one of those characters is selfish and does something terrible. And that's, yeah. and that's humanity. Totally. There's nobody who's perfect, right? There's nobody who doesn't do something terrible. Giles right. does a lot of terrible things in the name Giles of Giles kills Ben in cold blood. Yeah. In the name of protecting people or in the rough. name of, you know, yeah. I mean, even there's like, you know, the thing with the council where like, he's like, do you remember? I don't remember what season that was where they're like testing her, where they're testing like Buffy, drugging yeah. her. And I think that was her, season four. Yeah. Taking her powers away. Like he's in on that. Yeah. I mean, he's helping them do that. Totally. And he's like so torn by it. He is, but he does it. Totally. And that also reminds me of when they run into him singing guitar in the coffee shop. <laughs> And I, I straight up screamed. I was just like, so, so happy. It was so it great. It is like, that's another great thing that I think Whedon is really self-aware. Like he'll mm-hmm, stick those mm-hmm. little zingers in there, right? That yeah. this like real, at some point he had a realization, like we really don't ever show Giles doing anything outside of being a watcher. Yeah. Like we don't see him doing anything. So they start inserting little things like that, right? Like yeah. they've got his, his, you know, his girlfriend, beautiful girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, lady friend, whatever you want to call her, comes over from England. Yeah. Uh, they, they, you know, they interrupt him and he's like having tea and I don't know what he's like playing a game or something. You know, they, they like sort of start inserting these little pieces of his personality to show you that like he's like a, a whole character that has like a whole life that yeah. exists outside of the Scooby gang. Totally. <laughs> he's an incredibly rich character. And Anthony Stewart Head is that's his name, right? Yes. He's remarkable. He's great. Uh. And you were telling me that I need to watch Repo the Genetic Opera. Repo the Genetic so, Opera. So I can see more yeah. of his wonderful singing. I, he's got a great voice. That is one of those movies that is like so hard. It's not really hard to describe 
And I wouldn't say that it's like the best movie ever, yeah. but it's really interesting because I'd never seen anything like it before. And after I watched it, they came out with that other movie called Repo Men with like Jude right. Law. I saw that. And I, think uh, I, saw that. I can't remember who the other guy is, which Matt Wait, Damon or something. I can't remember. There's a. I think there's a Repo Men from the 80s. Well, that's, yeah, that's totally different. And that movie's great. That movie's great. It, yeah. That has nothing to do with, so Repo the Genetic Opera and Repo Men both have the same exact premise, which is that in the future, you can basically buy new organs. Uh-huh. So, like, if you're blind, you could buy a pair of eyes. Or if your heart fails, you could buy a heart. And but if you the don't thing pay for is, it, they Yeah, if you don't it. pay for it, they yeah. repossess it. So, crazy. in Repo Men, which I believe, I the, think the when Jude I was Law looking into one, it, yeah, in the Jude Law one, it's the same premise Weird. as Repo the Genetic Opera, but I think Repo the Genetic Opera came out first. Uh-huh. And if I'm not mistaken, the guy who wrote that, it's a, and it's also a musical, whereas the Repo Men movie is like an action film. Yeah. But Repo the Genetic Opera, I think, was a stage play first, and then it turned into a movie. Oh, cool. And it's, it's like a fairly low budget movie, but they still have some pretty good stars in it. And it's really beautiful. Like, it's a bleak vision of the future for sure. And there's some weird stuff like Paris Hilton is in it. Like, there's yeah. just like weird little things about it. Um, it's so funny. It came up for my other podcast, Sci-Fi on Trial. It came yeah. up as a as on one of the votes for the next trial. Yeah, I'd never seen it or heard of it, and I'm like, that sounds ridiculous. But no one told me at the time that Anthony Stewart Head yes. was in it. Otherwise, yes. I would have championed the, that. I would have like tried to get that the on the repo show. Man, oh, I gotta watch this. Yeah, you, I gotta you, watch this. Like you have to watch it. It's really weird, and I can't tell you it's good. Does that make sense? Totally. But I feel like. But I very much want to. You gotta see it, right see it anyway. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that gets us into season six when Giles leaves. And I was like, what the fuck? I was so pissed. Uh, Luckily, they brought him back a couple episodes later. And then when he left again, I felt better about it because Mm -hmm. the season it was actually kind of a brilliant way to do it where they went one episode without him. And I was like, oh, my God, fuck this show. I'm done. I'm fucking done. I hate it. But then they brought him back and it was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. And then they have the musical episode. Which uh, I love the music. Another episode. one of like the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. It's I couldn't so good. believe it. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And uh, something we haven't touched on yet is the relationship between Willow and Tara. Yeah. Which has which became like so precious to me so fast. <sighs> yes. And then in the musical episode when Tara sings that love song. Oh my god. I was just like melting. Yeah. It was so, so good. Yeah, I love, you know, Tara is another character that I immediately was interested in. But I, she is another character that some people were like, oh, that girl is so annoying. Really? Yeah, because, you know, when you first meet her, she is she's like very timid and very, yeah. you know, stuttery and very um, she's not she has no confidence. Right? She has like yeah. zero. She's like confidence. terrified to be talking to anyone. In the and, gang. and then, you you know, you find out why later yeah. in, in the episode with her family. With her family. Yeah. Um, Amy Adams, whatever. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, you see, you really see her blossom for lack of a better word. And that's a terrible yeah. word to use, especially I think in, in for a lesbian relationship, like <laughs> it's so cliche. Right. But you really see how when Willow starts connecting with her, mm-hmm. how she grows into a more confident person and yeah. she, 
she, you know, at first has really, really has trouble fitting in with the Scooby gang. Um, but it's not her, like, it's not really her fault, you know? Right. I mean, they, one, they have their own thing that's been going on for years and they've accepted Don into this thing. So how are they going to accept, you know, they, they like, they're their own thing. Right. They've gone through all this history together and then this outsider comes in. Right. You know, and they had, they had gotten used to Oz and then, so on top of like this not being Oz and it's a woman and that's like a whole other thing. And everybody's like shocked about that development. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think like her character by the time, especially you get to the musical episode is so great. And, yeah. And so even strong. though she acknowledges like she's still an outsider a little bit, it doesn't yeah. matter because she has Willow and Willow has her and yeah. together they're a great pair. It's interesting it's because just Willow... Uh, Willow fucks up hard. She yeah, and she's gonna continue to fuck up. But I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to ruin it for you. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to talk about that. Uh, yeah. But I before we do, I I gotta say like how much I love Anya, and it's been Anya, interesting yeah. to watch like two Scoobies bring two people into the group that are their significant other. Yes, uh, in you know Anya and Tara, mm-hmm. uh, both of which very quickly feel like integral members of the group mm-hmm. who have a lot to offer. Um, Anya's story is so interesting being like a thousand year old ex demon who's learning how to feel for the first time because she's stuck in a human form. Right. Her first episode, the one with the alternate reality with the the bad willow was yeah. awesome. It was like an early episode that I really, 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 really liked. Yeah. And they kind of hint at Willow being gay in oh, that yeah, episode. Oh yeah, she says, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm she's I'm like in love gay. with herself, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's an amazing episode too. Yeah, it was really, really good. So I've um, always liked... I mean, I just really like the actress, too. I really like Emma Caulfield. Yes. Um, I just really enjoy anything that she's doing in the show. Yeah. And as she becomes, like, a bigger part of the team, as she takes over the magic box later on. Yeah. Uh, I'm just such, like, a big fan, and I just want her... I want her to... Did they get to the episode with the troll yet? Have you seen that one? Yeah, with the, with his hammer where... Okay, so they you learned a little bit about her backstory and why she became a demon or I no did they just so. reference i think there's two episodes with him actually okay he's okay. been in there once so yeah so you'll see another episode that i don't you think know i know she, why she became a vengeance demon she references like i used to date him yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah they he xander just met her other friend who was a vengeance demon and oh. he's like does she have to be here <laughs> hallie hallie's um, hallie's an amazing character she's so funny so, yeah, and here's a little Easter egg for you. Uh, when they do Spike's backstory, Hallie is actually the woman that Spike was in love with back before he became a vampire. Really? Yes. So, holy shit. <laughs> so, I don't think that that was intended to be the thing that, that, like, the woman that Spike was in love with initially before he became a vampire when yeah. he was William the Bloody, yeah. aw- awful poet. Yeah. Um, it's the same actress, though. That's and so, so funny. What happened later on is like when that actress appeared again as Hallie, people asked the question to Whedon, uh, is that, you know, is that the deal? Like, did that woman become a vengeance demon? And I think I believe the last time I read something, they they said, oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. That's great. I so love it's it. kind of great because they do acknowledge that later. They do acknowledge that when Spike sees hallie oh do they oh i can't wait oh my god she says spike i must or she says william i think i must be really close to that yeah yeah it's pretty great that's fucking rad so it's a little cute little i loved his backstory (laughs) i loved his backstory william Um, the bloody awful yeah poet so cool (laughs) just seeing him as a human also (laughs) 
<laughs> Again, just seeing what a great actor he is. Right. And it just, it makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, he's this meek, powerless, you know, man that everybody makes fun of. Yeah. Uh, and he gets picked on and the woman that he's in love with doesn't care. You know, like she's not cruel to him, but she's also not into him yeah you know and then his mother you know just being such a like a mama's boy and like getting teased for that like there's so much that makes so much sense after drew totally Drew, another one of my favorite characters after drew comes in and makes him a vampire and then he sort of goes to this transformation right but it still takes him a while to get to where he is at spike yeah like the best thing was like if you're watching him in the right order you see a glimpse of him as William on Angel first. And yeah. you're just like, oh my God, was that Spike? Yeah. <laughs> he just like walks by. Yeah. Uh, and then you find out later that it, it, uh, was, that Spike. it was Spike. And yeah. it's so exciting because then the next episode on Buffy is, is Spike's backstory. Mm-hmm. And it was just tied together so well. I'm a little sad. Uh, I mean, I, I understand the political reasons why, but I'm a little sad that in season six of Buffy, the tie-ins with Angel season three are not as prevalent because Buffy switched networks yeah. and the networks didn't want them to do that as much. Yeah, that's true. But I also appreciate that Angel's kind of coming into its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angel is a show where like, uh, I don't think it's as good of a show as Buffy or at least yet. I think it gets there. Yeah. Awesome. I can't, yeah. I mean, I'm only in season three and Buffy took until season three, yeah. but the addition of Fred was Fred. like night and day. I Fred love Fred. Is an amazing character. Yeah. An amazing character. Yeah. She's my favorite character. And I, I already loved Amy Acker. I'd seen her in some other things, <sighs> yeah. including Dollhouse. Yeah. But, uh, this was the, I mean, this is the role that kind of made her who she like, made her famous. Yes. And I just hadn't seen it. And it's been kind of mind blowing. Just like going, I yeah. love Joss Whedon so much. The whole reason I'm doing this and watching all this is because Firefly is in the very, very top echelon of my favorite TV ever. Yes. Uh, and I love what he did with the Avengers. I'm really, mm-hmm. really amazed with what he did with the Avengers, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the first movie. I just think it's so great. And I, I just, I love listening to him talk and I, you know, like I've dived pretty deep into a lot of things that he's made, but I hadn't dived at all into the main thing, which is like Buffy and Angel. It's like the biggest right. chunk of what he's done. Yeah. So going back and kind of catching up to where, to the point where he made Firefly, which is right around n- now, if not the next season from where I'm at. Right. I think he he made Firefly during season seven of Buffy. Is that right? I thought it was later. I'm not sure. I thought he was finished. With what, was he finished with Buffy and Angel? Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't checked that yet. Um, we can find out. Let's find out. We have smartphone capability. Yeah. So Firefly was 2003. Buffy ended right before Firefly. So it looks like in May. So yeah, he might have oh, been wow. like working on it during the last crazy. Season. So he but, was working on Angel when he did Firefly. Yeah. Though. Every single night, the same arrangement. I go out and fight the fight. Still, I always feel the strangest estrangement. Nothing here is real. Nothing here is right. I've been making shows of trading blows Just hoping no one knows That I've been going through the motions Walking through the part Nothing seems to penetrate my heart But the one thing we haven't really touched on is Willow's descent into darkness mm-hmm. um, Which I was really interested in at first yeah. But then they took it to this like druggy place yeah. Really quickly And yeah. I felt like they... Uh, the show is usually like layered in so many levels of 
like metaphor. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And, and this isn't even a metaphor. It's no. just like she's just a drug addict all of a sudden. I was think well, I I don't think it's all of a sudden because I think that if you took out all of the parts of Willow in the in these seasons, in like season 5 and season 6 where mm-hmm. she is experimenting more with magic, if you just looked at those pieces outside of what else was going on, you would see that she's getting deeper and deeper into it. Yeah. And so by the time Amy. Amy. Oh, my Amy, God. That was the best. Amy, who like the second who that she emerges from being a rat becomes like this terrible bad girl. Yeah. Uh, kind of cliche bad girl, which is a little frustrating. But um, but just you, the fact that she'd been a rat for years and then they yeah. brought her back I mean, I, was I, wonderful. The thing about Amy that I do like is that, you know, her origins. I do like her origin story yeah. in that, like her mom stole her body. And her mom was the bad witch who was doing all of using dark magic and doing all these terrible things. Right. Yeah. But then when Amy got her body back, she kind of just did the same thing, did the same thing. Yeah. And I do kind of like that. Yeah. It does make sense to me. Totally. Like her mom showed her like what power was. And so she started using it herself. But um, but I think if you really look, if you really pay attention to just and isolate those willow things, you'll see like. It started out with her experimenting. Mm-hmm. And then as she got dark, deeper and deeper into it, even even though her and Tara were initially doing it together, it quickly became clear that she had more power than Tara. Yeah. And so she started doing a lot of things on her own. And the power of that, like the draw of that, being able to have all that power when Willow had never had power like that. Mm. That's the thing. Yeah. So by the time Amy takes her to the terrifying guy... Yeah. Who I love that actor. He plays so many good villains. Totally. He's like a great, great actor. Totally. Um, I think just like just just one time, that's all it took for her. And she yeah. was hooked. And I, she and she couldn't get enough of it. And she didn't know how to replicate that feeling right. without going back to him. And that's why she takes Don there, which is, you know, yeah. terrible. Totally. But yeah. Yeah, and I, I do I do agree with that for mm-hmm. sure. I do agree that they set it up really well and that uh, I mean, if the musical episode like really set up what was to come. Right. Like the the rift that's growing between Willow and Tara right. because of her magic usage. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most interesting thing about that to me is that like magic has been a useful tool for all, the Scooby gang for years. Sure. And it's been like something that has been encouraged because it's helped them to defeat the forces of evil. Right. But the magic is a force of evil. Right. I mean, it's not like there's no good and bad magic. It's just like. Willow has been dabbling in the black arts and they, they've said that the whole right. time. Yeah. So I actually was really, really excited at first when they kind of went like, well, she's getting out of control mm-hmm. and becoming addicted to the magic in a way that she can't control. I, I didn't like that when she goes to that like drug den, basically the magic den, mm-hmm. um, it, there was no like it was no longer a parallel. It was like an ex- it was a drug just den literally you know? yeah. it was literally like yeah. a heroin den yeah and i i just felt like that was too on the nose okay because uh i because i liked the metaphor so much i got it uh, so it no longer became as much the metaphor of magic usage it became literally we got to get her off of drugs mm-hmm. which is uh still interesting but slightly less interesting to me than trying to get someone off of magic yeah because i think you can tell a deeper story about getting someone off of drugs through telling the story of getting someone off of magic and maybe they it. will. I mean, I'm not there yet, but I could see. Yeah. yeah. I could see that thinking that that's maybe a bit literal, but I think yeah. maybe they just didn't know how to 
push her over the edge without doing that. It was, I mean, I still, I loved her like stuck on the ceiling, having those crazy visions. I liked all that stuff a lot. It's something about like strawberries. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I feel like there was a, they were so close to doing it in a way that would have blown me away, but instead became a little cookie cutter for a show that's just so unique and original to do something that I'd seen I think a they version needed of before to, was a little weird. I, I'm not sure how else they would have done it because I think they needed to show you that she had gone sort of so into her own uh, addiction that she was ignoring this task of of keeping Dawn safe, right? Yeah. She's tasked. She's just supposed to be hanging out with Dawn. They're yeah. supposed to go to a movie. They're supposed to like, she's supposed to keep her safe. Right. And And so, I mean, I don't know what else... Because if you think about I, it's, it, it's like it's not like she could go back to the bronze with Don and be doing magic and then accidentally hurt Don. Do you know? Like it had right, to be something totally. where she was so out yeah. of her mind. And that's a really good point because I did love that part of that story. Uh-huh. I think the only thing I would have done differently would be like instead of it being a drug den, it would have been just they go to like a warlock's house who has this special spell and maybe for the first time she uses magic to make herself feel good the way she does in the episode. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, I don't know if this is how magic should be used. And then he's just like, magic is a dark art. You've been yeah. using it for years. You've been helping your friends with it. Why don't you help yourself? Yeah. And just make it a but, little less like, and, and then have her kind of go down that similar path of right. getting addicted to that feeling and then yeah. making bad choices because of that. And then realizing that these were bad people mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. Cause it's very obvious they're bad people, they're bad people. right yeah. away. Yeah. I mean, but they all, yeah, they all are. Right. I mean, yeah. We talked a little bit about how there are some demons that aren't that bad, but everybody's still bad. Right. And even, I mean, even Buffy in a lot of ways is a a bad person who kills for a living, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of intense. And I love that about the show. Like, I love that you're kind of sitting on that weird precipice the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to see where things go from here. I just, the last episode I watched was the one where Buffy was... um, Working at the Double Meat Palace. Oh, God. Yeah. The Double Meat Palace is a great episode. It was so good. Anything so we, Jane Espenson yeah. writes, I love. Yeah. So we did a we did a Buffy trivia happy hour last year at EMP. And Jesse and I hosted it. And we had costume contests. I was dressed as dead Tara, by the way. So oh, I really? Like a, <laughs> yeah. Other Jesse, uh, not me, Jesse. Yeah. And for so. For people listening. <laughs> yeah. Jesse, not Jesse. Jesse. Uh, yeah. Jesse Reed and Jesse was dressed as Buffy in sort of like a Red Riding Hood uh, outfit, Halloween outfit. You know, she dresses up as Red Riding Hood one Halloween. Oh, that's funny. And so anyway, we're doing the we're doing this trivia and people showed up in costumes. There was some like an amazing spike in Drusilla. Like like she had like she even looked like Drusilla. Like, I don't even know how that happened. And then there was a Buffy in a double meat palace uniform. Uh. (laughs) And I was just like blown that's so good away like the hat with the chicken and everything i don't yeah. even know how you would make something like that but she did it and then my other favorite costume that i saw was this girl dressed as anya um from the once more with feeling episode so she had like the this sort of triangle top cropped up on and uh-huh. like the skirt with like a butterfly on it and her hair was exactly that same way that's and awesome. you know every once in a while she would bust out you know, it must be bunnies. Like, <laughs> but it was, it was the Double Meat Palace outfit. Oh, my God. One of my favorite cosplays that I'd, I'd ever seen because that's, that's a, great such a great idea. way to do it. Yeah. You know? Totally. <laughs> yeah. I'm also really interested in what's going to happen with the three guys. Uh, the Jonathan. The trio. The trio. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I, the trio. Oh man, when Jonathan first came back and uh, everyone thought he was the coolest was uh, such a great episode. That's an, another amazing episode where even so the good. credits are like Jonathan credits. That's, that's the episode great. when I started watching the credits every time. Yeah. I would fast forward sometimes. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, Jonathan's in the credits. This is incredible. So now I watch him every time just in case something changes. That's a great episode. Yeah. But uh, uh, I love that. I love that season six, the big bad is discord between the scoobies yeah and then, like the external is not really the, the yeah, they're not bad. really a threat they're more like the comic relief because everything's yeah. going wrong at home so the okay. thing you're actually fighting is kind of external yeah or i'm, I'm sorry the thing you're actually fighting I, uh... is internal and then the external threat is more just kind of goofy so have you i'm you literally like haven't read anything about any of these seasons yeah i have no buffy? idea okay. i have no idea the last thing that i knew was that Buffy was going to die at the end of season five. Okay. That's the last spoiler that I had. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the trio the trio is an interesting... Yeah, we'll have to reconvene when I finish. Ple- yes. We can... Uh, yes. And then we'll talk through Angel and yes. then the last bit of Buffy. Uh-huh. It'll be great. Yeah, and I might rewatch. I just rewatched Buffy not that long ago when I was six. Yeah. So, I, I'll have to rewatch Angel so we can, can sort cool. of prime. Because I've only seen... Th- I've only... I've only seen that when... Uh, three times all the way through. <laughs> so <laughs> you're probably pretty good on it. It's my. De- oh, it's like those are like my default. Like if I'm not feeling well, I oh, watch cool. a couple episodes of Buffy or Angel. That's awesome. Yeah, that's for me, that's me that's feel, next gen. To make me feel better. Where does where do these shows sit like in your fandom? I mean, I don't. It's really hard for me to like rank like that. Yeah, um, not necessarily I, a rank. Like, just like like what is their importance in your life? I mean, I just think Joss Whedon overall, I'm just like a a fan of everything that he does. Um, I mean, I think like top of the line for me, even though Whedon didn't direct it and Drew Goddard did is The Cabin in the Woods. I think that is like in the uh, in the pinnacle of all things that I love. The Cabin in the Woods is like near the very, very tippy top of that. Um, And what I love, I mean, that's I love it. But then I also love that it's like. Drew Goddard and Joss worked together on Buffy and they worked together on this movie, you know, and that's... Drew Goddard works on Buffy? He wrote, yeah, he wrote episodes of Buffy. I think he may have directed some as well, but yes, that's how they know cool. each other. I didn't and realize so that. And so I, um, I, yeah, that movie's amazing. I think, like, I, of course, love Buffy above, above all the series. I mean, it's hard because I feel like... I love Firefly almost equally. Mm-hmm. And then Angel is kind of sitting there at third and then Dollhouse is like in the fourth place. But I still love a lot of things about Dollhouse. Yeah. I still I recognize that like Dollhouse, it was like the writer strike happened and all these crazy things happened and it wasn't the show that he wanted. Yeah. You know? I've only seen the first season. But and- Elijah Dushka is incredible yeah. and um I think the premise of that show is incredible and I think yeah. the second season was very strong. Yeah. Um but I completely understand like why it didn't catch on the same way these other shows caught on because it's just so many things, so much shit ha- like went down when he was making it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Buffy is like, like it's my comfort food. Like if I, even though it makes me cry a lot, if I want to be like happy, I'll, I'll watch a couple episodes of Buffy. Angel is like first season I don't love. Mm-hmm. And then by the time second season rolls around, I'm really into it. And I think they do a really good job introducing characters that were in like Harmony and, you know, Spike and like all these people, Darla, like come back and, yeah. and, uh, and Wesley and they kind of, 
it's a good way to mash up all those fan favorites together. It fleshes out Um, the world a lot. But then also I really love the premise of Angel, this idea that Wolfram and Hart idea. Yeah, that's been really cool. And that's it's very similar to the Cabin in the Woods premise, if you think about it. Totally. You know, so that that there's the these giant corporations, if you will, that keep the demons in check by getting them out of traffic tickets and solving murders for them, you know, like having this big conglomeration of lawyers that helps the bad people is creating this balance in the world. Right. Interesting. And Buffy as the slayer and angel as this vampire with a soul are upsetting that balance. And that's why Wolfram and Hart is so pissed Hmm. because they're trying to like keep it at an even keel They're like in Wolfram and Hart's eyes, even though they're helping the evil people, they're sort of, like the people in Cabin in the Woods, keeping this evil at bay, keeping them from destroying the entire world, as yeah. it were. Yeah. So I love that. I love that premise. Yeah, it's um, really interesting. It's really interesting. And the end of season two, when they go to the alternate dimension, yeah. and those those three books next to each other, and they're Wolf, Ram, and Heart. Yes. Uh, That's amazing. That moment, I was like, whoa. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> of course, one of the best moments of any of these shows is Joss Whedon dancing in the background. <laughs> What was that dance called? Like the dance of anger or something? Yeah, I can't remember. Um, I don't even know. Like I, I randomly discovered that that was Joss Whedon. Uh, it made you know me he's so in happy. the Once More with Feeling episode too. Oh, is he? He's the demon at the beginning with the horns that Buffy's fighting and they're doing. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, dude, Once More with Feeling was like yeah. so good. I, I'm a like deep down, I'm a song and dance man. Yeah, and that episode just like hit me right in the mommy daddy button. I was That's like, great. this is so good. But yeah, I mean, I think like obviously Buffy is super important to me because I've watched it so much. Yeah, and and it's still like like I said, you know, even though I wasn't the target age group for that show. Um, even watching it later, I was like all in. Yeah. I was all in. Yeah. I think that, uh, anyone who avoids Buffy because it's like a high school teen drama, mm-hmm. uh, like if you want to start on season three, you can completely avoid that. And then if you want to go back and watch that, you can. Yeah. But it's just a great fucking show. It you is know? a great show. Uh, in like every, in every way, like in everything that I like about TV is represented on that show. And actually, I mean, it's kind of like brings in some sci-fi elements mm-hmm. in seasons five and six when you have the Buffy bot and then you have these, like the trio who have Buffy all these bot. crazy uh, like sci-fi toys that they're trying to use to fight Buffy with, which I'm actually, I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of, yeah, it's weird to mix genres that way. How do you, I mean, I think that they did a really good job of it and I'm still on board because of how they told the stories. Yeah. And like uh, Warren. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I want to I want to come back and talk about the trio once you get okay. through. Cool. We'll do it. This we'll do season. It for sure. I'm very excited um, about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, because it, it, all of their fates are very interesting. And I had actually forgotten what those fates were outside of Warren. I, I had forgotten. And then the last time I watched it, I'm like, that's right. I'd kind of forgotten like what they had all what parts they had all played and what happens to all of them. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't say I can't say anything else, but like it is an interesting uh, and again, sort of like that, that idea, these boys that like have been ignored, you know, and that they they think they're owed something. Right. Mm, So like so like Warren in particular is like the worst at that. Right. 
Yeah. He's, he actually like created a robot to be his basically his sex bot, his girlfriend, because he sort of had this idea that like women were ignoring him and yeah. And he wasn't getting what he wanted, so he made this robot. And then when he actually found a girl who did like him, I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how. Um, it, it was a problem because he, it was like a very sort of like, it just got me right here. This idea that he made this perfect woman, but then when he found a woman he liked better, he just shoved that perfect woman in a closet and right. let her rot there. Right. You know, like that's... Totally. It's really fucked awful. up. And yeah. then, you know, and then, you know, problems ensue with this girl that he actually isn't in love with. And it's. It was really interesting. It's really interesting. And, and so to like see him come back with these other two guys who he's obviously like ringleading. He's, yeah. you know, pulling them along. Like He's the only one who seems actually dangerous to yeah, me. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. And he's sort of like influencing Jonathan and Andrew. You know, yeah. he's telling them what to do and they're like trying to be cool because warren's cool uh warren made a sex bot you know like it's cool to them it's interesting because like when the robot first showed up that episode was so good yeah and i heard that that was supposed to be britney spears but they couldn't work it out (laughs) that would have been hilarious yeah yeah um like that episode played out so well that i i had a hard time believing that warren built that robot yeah because you don't want to think he's that smart yeah, and also because, I mean, if, you know, if our modern science can't do it, yeah. and this kid from Sunnydale can, I it almost would have made more sense if he'd used magic to animate it somehow, because yeah. that would have fit with the world a little bit better. But He, I, could, he could have. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They but don't really but I just that. kind of, like, accepted it, because I'm like, well, it was a great episode, and I'm I'm at the point with this show in particular where um, if I'm entertained, I'm happy, right. you know, because I'm so wildly entertained by that show in ways that uh, that are just, like so precious to me yeah i I will accept a lot of things like that you have to suspend your disbelief yeah totally a lot and then (laughs) but then they made it kind of work when when they come back as the trio and he's the one inventing all these things like well he can because he built this robot right and so they they use that as like the excuse he's like he's the the science guy yeah and and the mastermind right and jonathan is like the magic guy like he's the one who right. has like dabbled in magic and then andrew is just kind of lackey like yeah andrew has sort of like done a few things but not really you know yeah like uh, jonathan transforms himself into that demon so that they can escape <laughs> in their van that one time it's so funny yeah and it's funny and then oh, that reminds me the episode yeah. where the like buffy was invisible Oh my God. So uh, good. When they get to that fight in the arcade at the end, yeah. I was just like, the only thing I want right now is for them to have it like pan the camera back and forth between people and he- you hear it, but don't see them. Yeah. And then they did it. They did. It. And exactly like in the most ridiculous way possible. And it was so funny yeah. and so perfect. Like that show sets itself up to do things that are absolutely ridiculous all the time. And then like knocks it out of the park when it, when it gets there. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, man, I can't. Yeah, I got to stop talking about season six because I'm going okay. to blow something for you. Yeah. I don't want to. Well, we were going to talk about a lot of TV. We just talked about <laughs> no, Buffy for an hour and a half. Should we just say it's just an episode about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah, I think I you should that. just call it Live from the Hellmouth. Let's and do like, it. Stamp yeah. it. There's so much nerdy <laughs> shit we got to talk about. Well, we should just start our own podcast. We should just start our own <laughs> podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just came up with that right totally. now. Uh, this is a thing that we've been talking about and we should do it. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, let's stop re- recording and okay. talk about that. Let's stop it. Okay. But Amy Simon, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you. We'll chat again soon. Okay. 
Amy and I do have this awesome plan for a podcast we want to start. So keep your ears peeled for that. Like I said, my, my health is iffy right now, so uh, nothing's happening quickly. But, but we're real pumped about this podcast idea that we have. So I'll tell you more about that in the future. In the middle of this discussion, we took a big tangent and talked about Firefly for about 10 minutes. So I decided to chop it out of the episode and deliver it just to my Patreon supporters as a thank you for continuing to support me, even though I didn't put anything out for a whole month. I really appreciate that. If you'd like to become one of my Patreon supporters and support this show and the rest of the Sci-Fi Project, you can learn more at jessemercury.com and gain access to special bonus podcast extras. Another great way to support the show is to sign up for CBS All Access through my website at jessemercury.com. You know, Star Trek Discovery is coming. It's been pushed back, but it's still coming in 2017. And you know, we're all going to have to sign up for CBS All Access to see it. So do me a solid and sign up through my website. It costs you the same and does support this show. It's a great way to help me keep plugging along and making these podcasts happen. Next week, I've got Bart McGuire on the show. As you might guess, since he was here visiting from New Zealand, we sat down and recorded a podcast. We did what we did last time, where he played me some of his music for his project Pink Moon, which is all about conspiracy theories, which he describes as sort of nature's fan fiction. So we uh, dug deep into the sci-fi concepts that were in some of these conspiracy theories, and it was super, super interesting. I can't wait to bring that to you next week. Of course, the highlight of it is Barton's musical performances, and they are top-notch. And as always, it's very helpful if you can leave positive ratings and reviews on iTunes or any other podcast platform. It would make me feel great, and I would appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Amy for dropping by to chat Buffy, and uh, thanks for sticking with us through a not-totally-sci-fi episode because it was something I just really wanted to talk about. And I'll see you very soon. Stay nerdy out there. Bye.